ministry for doing ministry for almost 50 years. And when we lived in, in, in Pastor in South Bend, Indiana, back in the late 70s and 80s, uh, I never had been a Notre Dame fan. Uh, I always, I, I just never had been. I didn't dislike them, I just wasn't a Notre Dame fan. And, uh, but when you live in South Bend, it's hard if you're a sports fan, which I am, and I love sports, I love to watch sports, and go to sporting events, and uh, I, I became a sports fan in Notre Dame, and uh, one Sunday I was speaking at the church, and I looked up at the balcony, and I saw this man that I'd never seen before in the service, and uh, kind of stood out, and later I got acquainted with him, he had become a Christian, started coming to our church. He owned several car dealerships in town, and uh, he found out as through our conversations that, that I like sports and I like to uh, attend sporting events. And he, he made sure that I had two tickets to every home game in Notre Dame <laughs> on the 40 yard line. 40 seats up. Now you can't beat that. For every home game. And to this day, I can get tickets. I've been to AM when they played at AM. I've been to Texas when they played in Texas. I've been to Cowboy Stadium when they played Oklahoma a couple years ago. I just call up there and they send them down to me. They don't even charge me. Praise God. <laughs> That's good. But anyway, while we had lived there, this same gentleman uh, made sure that I would get tickets to the quarterback club on Fridays. On Fridays, they had a quarterback club where uh, they would have a luncheon the Friday before a home game. And about a thousand people would come, and it was very difficult to get tickets, but this man made sure that my wife and I had tickets if we wanted to go. Fridays, we always went before the whole game. We enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because at that time, Blue Moles was the coach. And uh, I enjoyed hearing him speak. And he'd always speak about 15 minutes, interview a couple of players. And this one week, he says this He says, You all know that we were ranked number one this year in Associated Press polls. Number one. He said, I told our players this in our players meeting. When things are going good, it's never as good as it seems. And when things are going bad, it's never as bad as it seems. But reality is somewhere in between. <laughs> and I always remember that. And how true that is with our life. We get on a mountaintop, we're going great, whether it's in our marriage, in our business, in the church, for a pastor, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, we're, we're, it's wonderful. 
then when they go through a storm where things aren't going very well, it's just not quite that good. And we wonder how in the world are we going to make it through this? How is this going to happen? And uh, I'd just like to share in the next few moments about my experience, my wife and I, in, in ministry on the mountaintops and in the valleys. The process of making a man or a woman. In our, in our 20s and 30s, we pastored in Ohio. We pastored in a town called Ravenna, Ohio, reminding me a lot of Granbury because it had a, uh, a square. It was about 11,000 people. It was 30 miles south of Cleveland, about 15 miles east of Akron, Ohio. And the church that we took had been there probably, I think, 33 years. And on a good Sunday, we would have 200. And uh, I was very, God gave me this personality, I guess, or I know of being very aggressive and uh, motivational in myself. I wanted to see the church grow, I wanted to see things happen, I wanted to see Christians, people become Christians and things happen and be positive. And, and I just wanted to see that. And so uh, another pastor told me of a man by the name of Jack Kyles, Pastor Jack Kyles in Hammond, Indiana. Hammond's about just a few, 20 miles or so uh, southeast of Chicago in Indiana. And he had a pastor school. I went there. First year I went there, I was really excited. They ran several thousand in their church. And uh, there was about a thousand pastors there. And he was very motivational. And uh, it really made me feel good about it. And I, I, he had a ministry that he had started uh, called a bus ministry, bringing children into church. And back in those days, in the 60s and 70s, a lot of churches across America had bus ministries. And uh, it was kind of a thing that worked at that time. And uh, he was bringing hundreds of children to Sunday school families were being saved and so forth. I went back to Ravenna, Ohio, and another gentleman and I in the church started a bus ministry. We bought a bus. We went out on Saturday and we started knocking on doors of some certain community in our area, and we uh, uh, began to build, fill that bus with children. Parents started coming of the children. They did go to church every place. And they started coming, and the church started growing. And the church grew, seated about 300, church grew about 400 or so. And uh, we had to have two services. I thought, we're going to have to relocate here and buy some property. So I found four acres for $40,000. I checked the other day what $40,000 would be in today's economy from the economy in 1970, and it was about 300,000 a day. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of money for our congregation. 
On one Sunday, we raised, got cash for $40,000. We were able to buy a property. The next week, on a Friday, a lady in the church calls me. And she said, Pastor, I was at my attorney's house, uh, uh, office today, and I asked him if he would donate some money to our church on this project. And he was asking me questions. Who owned the land? Where was the land? I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. And I said, can my pastor come to your house and, 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 and talk to you about it? Well, I guess so. So she said, when you go to his house, this was on a Saturday morning, she called me. And I, I hate to do those kind of things. You know, and I thought, well, this lady's such a nice lady. And so kind, okay. Where does he live? She told me it was the biggest mansion in town. So I drive up to that house. I drive to the back door. Knock on the back door. A maid comes. Takes me into the parlor. And he's an old man, kind of like me. A little older, maybe. And he said, we sat down and we're talking. And I'm just a 30-year-old kid, you know, at that time. He's asking me about this land. And I'm telling him about the land. He said, well, who owns that land? And I told him. He said, he ought to give you that land. I said, well, he wants $40,000. See, I didn't know at the time that that man who was selling that land was the president and controller of the Second National Bank. And the man I'm talking to here, who is this attorney, is the owner and controller of the First National Bank. <laughs> and owns county savings and loan. I didn't, I didn't know that. Found out that later. He said, I have land out here on the highway. Six acres. He said, I'll sell you for $40,000. I said, Mr. Loomis, would you get in my car and let me take you out there? I helped him out to the car, got him in the car. We drove out there two or three miles from his house. And he showed me the land. And all of a sudden, I got an inspiration. I feel it was from the Holy Spirit. I turned to him in the car. I said, Mr. Loomis, you'd give us that land, wouldn't you? He said, I'll give it to you. I couldn't believe it. I was in his office Monday morning. It wasn't hard for us to get along because he was controlling the land. To make a long story short, we 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 bought we got this land. The bus ministry started growing. We ended up with ten buses full of about three four hundred kids. Family started getting saved. Built the new church, and the church grew to about two thousand people. That's what you call a mountaintop experience. That's what you, tend, you think you're going to be in your entire life. You're going to be up there. This is it. And it was great. And I still rejoice over it today. We went to South Bend, Indiana to, to pastor for 13 years, 12 years. And then all of a sudden I began to get a call from Dallas, Texas. 
and this church called me seven times. Finally, I told my wife, I said, I don't like this guy. Seems like I became his friend over the phone and I didn't know him. And uh, he said, uh, I, so I said, maybe we should go check it out. So we went, flew through here to Dallas, Texas. And uh, after an interview and talk, this was a church that had been in Dallas for, I would say, between 40 and 50 years. It was in existence a long time. At this point in its history, it was North Dallas the church was in, and it was a beautiful building, stained glass windows and so forth. It had about 600 people. The smallest church I've passed in about 20-some years. Um, but I felt the Lord wanted me there. So, I said, after we went home and prayed about it and so forth, that we would come. 1989, I became the pastor of that church. And uh, that church had 600 people that said, as I got involved in it, it hadn't grown for a long time. It was 600 people forever. So in my, I'm 50 years old now at that point. Okay? And now I'm thinking, we got to move this church forward. How are we going to do this? We need change. We're stuck in our ways. I'm sure you've never been in a church before. We're stuck in our ways. We, and, and we had 14 members on the board. They were all businessmen. Church had a lot of money. Building was paid for. And so somebody told me about a book called Dying for Change by Lee Anderson. So you ever read that book? Some of the pastors. So I got that book, Dying for Change, by Leith Anderson. And he was a pastor, had been a pastor in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and they had moved their church to the suburbs. And, and, and the main part of the book was talking about how you work through change. Okay? How do you work through change? And so I got the book read and I got really excited. He bought a book for all the board members. We read it and went over for three different sessions, divided up the book in three three parts and discussed. And at the end of that three weeks, they began to say, you know, we need to relocate. Now I never I never had a goal to relocate that church. But I knew we needed to change something. And I'm trying to find out what it is we need to do. And we and we it's a need to relocate. A lot of the people came from the northern suburbs, Plano, Carrollton, those areas, and drove down to the church. And so I bought a book for every family in the church, divided the church up, and, and every board member had a, had a part of that. And they met for three weeks. And a great portion of them were talking about, you know, we need to relocate. Well, it sounded good. There was a group of people in the church that didn't want to do it. One of them was a board member. And, and uh, 
they were really, I'll try to make a long story short, but it wasn't fun being the pastor. <laughs> they thought I wanted to move and I was controlling and I was doing this and that. And, and so it got so bad that one Sunday, I was out in the foyer of the church after the sermon, and a lady comes up to me and says, uh, Pastor, this is my first Sunday here. But when I came in the door, the man that met me in the door told me not to come in. I said, really? Yeah, he said that the pastor of this church is trying to control this church. He wants to be the boss in charge and everything. You don't want to be a part of anything like this. And I said, who was that guy? He said, he sat right over there. He was right over there, standing by that door. I said, okay. I had one of the board members that afternoon go see him. I said, I wanted to tell this man, if he doesn't get up and apologize in front of the church what he did, it'd be best that he find another church. <laughs> The board member went over there that afternoon and told him. He called me later. He said, I don't think that man will be back. <laughs> but it, it was like, it was pretty rough. I wanted to leave. I went up and interviewed at a church in Detroit, Michigan. Got on the plane the next morning to fly back to Dallas and thought, told my wife, we're not to do this. We're not to do that. Interviewed several churches in Texas here. One of them waited one year for me to make a decision. But I just couldn't leave. But I wanted to. I wanted to leave. I didn't want to put up with this stuff anymore. Finally, it came to a vote in the church to vote on relocation. Lo and behold, over 80% voted to relocate. We, so we started the process. We sold the church to an African-American church from West Dallas for a couple million. We both had church there for one year. That was an experience. <laughs> we had the first service because I knew it. we didn't. We'd never get in. <laughs> they had the second service. But it was great. At that time, a mayor in Dallas was African American. And he came to the church and would talk to us. And, uh, but it was a great experience. Sometimes we had combined services, sometimes uh, it was just it was a good experience. And it, it was. It was an exciting moment, I felt, except for one thing. Fifty people got up and left at that vote and went and started their own church. You know where they went? Carrollton. Right where we were going to go. <laughs> now, but what was also really discouraging is that every week for several weeks, a 
family came into my office and asked her, we voted that we should relocate. But we can't because we live in Irving, or we live in Mesquite, or we live in Garland, or we live in some other place. And it's just too far for us to go. But we think the church should do it. So they lost 250 more. So now we're down to 300. Finances were great, everything. We bought 15 acres in North Carrollton. And we built a church. That church, if you know anything about Prestonwood Baptist, which is down the street from Prestonwood Baptist. So it's on that same road, but it's in Carrollton, there in my own. And we built $10 million worth of buildings. The church grew to upwards of 2,000. And it's still growing today. And the point that I'm trying to get across to you uh, today is this. It's a process life is. No matter what ministry we are in, we have times of great victory. We have times of discouragement. We have times when we wonder, why are we doing this? It's hard. It's not any fun anymore. You know, it's difficult. But if we know that God put us there, we stay. us in some way. He will show us and he will bless us and he will lead us and he will guide us. And there's a scripture I'd like to close with. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your I encourage you today to just trust in the Lord. If it's your family, if it's your ministry you're involved in, your own yourself, whatever it may be, God is faithful. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, today for your love. Thank you for being with us, guiding us, and directing us. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for each one that's in this room. May they be what you want them to be. Guide them in their life, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Before Alan comes back, let me just share with you one thing that some may be interested in. My wife wrote a book this week called the Confessions of the Pastor's Wife. <laughs> it sells on Amazon uh, for $14, doing real well. She talks about not the same thing I talked about this morning, but issues such like this that ladies go through, men go through, people of ministry go through, and uh, if you like one of these books, I have a few.
confessions of the pastor's wife and uh, uh, Amazon has $14 uh, sent to it like a very good group is $10 to make if you'd like a book so I have a few if you want thank you very much y'all thank you